And just before I invite Pastor June up, I just want to uh, give a reminder of what our pastors in residence are. So this is really exciting for Kim and I and for our staff and for many of you. Uh, we shared this on Wednesday for those who are not here on Wednesday. Uh, we have this, sem- this semester something called Pastors in Residence. Over the years, over the years we've had uh, missionaries in residence, global workers in residence. We've had a scholar in residence before. Uh, and so we have these men and women who have a call of the Lord on their lives, come and stay on campus with us. Uh, And something that came out of our road trip that Kim and I had in May uh, was this idea of having pastors in residence. We met some wonderful pastors in the province, and we wanted to have our students see these pastors and spend time with these pastors. So I came up with this great idea about having these pastors come here. Uh, And so we're very excited to have our very first pastors in residence. So Pastor June, would you please come on up? Let's give a warm welcome. And so uh, Pastor June is uh, the pastor of the Native Victory Church in Nanaimo. Have I said it right? Nanaimo Native Victory Church. Uh, He'll give a bit of a a summary of who he is, his years there. He's an alumni here at Summit Pacific College. Uh, And it's been so cool what Kim and I experienced on our road trip was when we would get time with a pastor, we would realize layers and layers of depth and connection uh, that would take place. And already since you being here since last night, there's been layers of connection. Somebody that you went to school with is a student here. Uh, There's been connections with your family and other students of ours at Nanuse Bay Camp in the summer over the years. So layers and layers of connection that we're grateful for. So June, would you please encourage us? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Hello, everyone. Yes, it's, uh, it's very nice to meet you all today. So as already Pastor Kevin introduced, my name is June, and I'm currently serving at the uh, Nanaimo Native Victory Church in Nanaimo. This is a very, very special experience for me to be able to stand, like I stand here with you, because I, I used to sit where you are sitting right now, right? It, 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 it's for chapel service when I used to attend some more than 10 years ago. So it's very special for me. Just to share, you know, a little bit about myself. I came to Canada with my family when I was 16 years old. And I was born in Korea and faithful Christian family and was raised as a church boy. As you can guess, I grew up at the church and knew very well about God and Jesus. But now I realize that at the time, I never accepted Jesus as my, my Savior and my Lord. So growing up, my biggest goals in my life was to make a lot of money, right? Success. Although I would say that, you know, through that success, I could give more, you know, to the Lord in tithes. But I just wanted to live my life that would please myself. And I would, I would only commit a small, like a small part to God. But during my second year in university, something happened that changed my life's purpose, life's purpose and values completely. That year, I received a, like a vision improvement surgery. But because of the very rare side effect, my eyesight began to get cloudy until I lost, like a comp- completely lost my sight on both eyes. It was during this time of darkness that I realized that, you know, how burnable my life was and found myself desperately seeking God 
God's help and his mercy. And yes, just like the verse in Proverbs 8, 17, those who diligently seek me will find me. The living God came to meet me. So in darkness, my personal per, he personally came to answer my desperate cries. So where he felt like you know, all hope was gone, he brought immense joy. Even in, even in what could be seen as the you know, worst situation, he filled me with a great affirmation of, uh, of his love that I have never felt before. This newly found assurance made me realize that, you know, from this point on, if I can live a life alongside with my God, it would be a blessed life of contentment and joy. So even if my eyes never recovered, it would not change my confidence in God's love for me. So from that point, my purpose in life was to live for, for his joy and his glory. So after the instant of my my sight loss, over the course of two years, I went through the three times like uh, uh, separate surgeries in attempt of uh, recovery. So both of my eyes developed a glaucoma due to the strain from this extensive, uh, extensive surgery. So, so I have to see my doctor every, every year to check my, uh, uh, the conditions of my eyes. But thankfully, as you can guess, we managed to restore enough to enough of my eyesight for me to return to a normal lifestyle. So, and the first thing I did was apply to Summit. Because I thirsted to learn, about, learn more about God's plans for my, for my life. So first, the first time in my life, so for the first time in my life, I was driven to fully dedicate my life to God's ministry. So, and as I continued my studies at Summit, and after Summit, I went to a Trinity Western Seminary. So it came to my attention that the further you move to the suburbs, this was a CBO Lego pastors. This was a resulting in many local churches to shut down. And learning this, it gave me a you know, new purpose. And that was to go wherever they are in need of pastor. So this because my vision, this become my vision and prayer. So after I finished my studies at Trinity Western, I was, apply, I was praying and searching for a place to serve as a pastor. And it was around that time I received the news that the First Nation Church in Nanaimo, I've been, I have been going on somewhere like outreach, was at the verge of a shutting down because there's no pastor. So when I heard this, I, I knew that this was my calling. So this was where God once wanted me to go. So and after much prayer and discussion with my wife, we moved to Nanaimo in March of uh, 2016. So while we were thankful, like we had a place to live, the building was almost 60 years old and was not cared for properly in recent years and was overdoing many repairs. On top of that, the church and the personage was in a neighborhood where it was a high homeless population. It was like uh, East Hastings in Nanaimo. I mean, yes, in Nanaimo. So and we would often find like a signs of a substance abuse, like uh, needles and broken bottles around the church grounds. And we would all, hello, 
You hear me? Yes. So we would also have to have people just walk into the parsonage and sitting around on our dining table like midnight or whenever, often very drunk and or high on drugs. And there were also times when I had to call the police because uh, there was a sexual assault or attack that happened around the church or in the neighborhood. So the internal aspect was not very promising either because of a long uh, because of the long absence of a dedicated minister, many have already left the church. We had to start from scratch in building up the relationship with the community. We started off with the only having one or two people on Sunday. Sometimes no one showed up. On some weeks, we would have a, no one comes to service. So I didn't, I didn't know where to start. But as I got to know the church and it's a history. This church had a, has a history of a great revival in the past. Like people would fill up the church and the pastors, like they would take the boats along the west coast and took their like, uh, ministry work to the you know, most remote areas. And people of the, this church were the leading force of spreading the gospel to the indigenous community and peoples and planted many churches back in the days in B.C. It was recognized and respected by the indigenous communities in the highest regard back in the days. But when we got there, we couldn't find any trace of this driving past. And not only in Nanaimo, but almost all of the First Nation churches that were planted at the time had closed or didn't have a pastor present and was at the verge of closing down. This made me wonder that, you know, what happened to all the people that accepted Jesus at the time? And they're all gone now. So I started to do a little research. So the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada was established in the early 20th century. Am I right? You didn't, you didn't take a history? And there was the same time when the Pentecostal church also began the outreach and church planting within the First Nation and within the indigenous communities. So these new churches were intended to have indigenous leadership and autonomy at its center. This was, a, this was because while there were existing indigenous churches run by the traditional churches, most were operated by Caucasian pastors who are receiving subsidy support from their denominations. So the POC church saw that this, even with the best intention, were resulting in the downplay of indigenous cultures and imposing Western culture upon its congregation. So while maintaining and respecting indigenous cultures and traditions, the POC churches focused on preaching the gospel gospel, and establishing leadership from members of the local communities. And witnessing the church's humble efforts of honoring, honoring their culture and values, the people of indigenous communities, thirsting for genuine gospel and discipleship, gathered from all over the country. So some would you know, travel hundreds of kilometers to attend Sunday service each, each week, according to the uh, history record. So the impact of gospel and the Holy Spirit was spreading like a wildfire, like all over Canada back in the days. 
And hundreds of churches were planted. And then dozens of indigenous Bible colleges were established during this time. So John Weber Grant, a church historian and United Church clergyman, he described the POC's indigenous ministry as the late 20th century has been the great period of Indian response to the gospel. But the fever of the great revival that had covered the entire country came to a sudden stop as we entered the 21st century. 2022, today, from the hundred of indigenous churches that were founded, there is only 80 churches remaining across Canada. Among them, about 15 are at the risk of closing down from absence of a pastor. And from the numerous Bible colleges, presently only one remaining in operation. Not only that, there are only about 40 indigenous POS pastors in, in, in all of Canada. And many of which are near retirement. At our annual indigenous minister, minister forum, where all the pastors from all over BC gathers to share their ministries, you know what, I've been the youngest for the past seven years. And I'm 39 now. So not too young anymore. So I'm going to be 40 next year. But still, I'm the youngest. So this is how I, a non-indigenous Korean person, came to be in the First Nation ministry. So what happened that caused this sudden stop, sudden drop of an almost century-old revival? What do you think? What's the cause of it? There were great revivers across Canada, but not anymore now. If you look at the history of indigenous ministry in the 20th century, there were you know, many others who participated. Many traditional churches, such as Catholic, Presbyterian, United, Anglican, have been involved in this ministry decades, even centuries prior to the POC. As many of you may be aware, one of the main methods was the residential school system. And around the mid 20th century, the residential school system was at its peak, with more than 80 schools all over the country at the same time. So while the POC churches were focusing on adult ministry and working on training advanced local leadership through the Bible college, the traditional churches were working on the indigenous children through the residence school. And as, a, as, and as most of you know, you know, most, not all, but most, had left a tragic and painful memories and experience that lasted a lifetime to those who returned from the residential school. And it passed on to generation generation. I believe that in the present state of our indigenous ministry is strongly correlated to the resulting outcome of these two separate ministries. We know that the healthy lifestyle and values learned at young age has a great impact in the life we maintain in our adulthood. 
However, when, when this basic development stops, have been deprived of. And on top of that, you suffer from the traumas resulting from the regional school system because like a lifelong struggles of a recovery. And despite the efforts and dedication from the POC church and that led these members to Bible college, Bible studies, and, and there were like a constant withdrawals that would cause them to return to their old habits of unhealthy lifestyle. And often ended up like a being addictions. In some cases, there would be an indigenous pastor who would return to a life of addiction due to a, like a, this reason. This would cause a devastating effect and disappointment upon the indigenous communities that relied on this individual as their spiritual leader. I too have witnessed this heartbreaking like occurrence more than I would I would care I would care for. On special occasions, you get to witness the work of the Holy Spirit, like moving people and changing them. And accepting Jesus as a savior and trying to live a healthy and wholesome life. But even after such a promise, you see an alarmingly high percentage falling back. Falling back to addiction. And all the habits within indigenous ministry. So this proves that, you know, local, local, localizing the church and the raising up local leader, leaders alone like a dull creature, but it is not enough. Without next generation ministry, there will continue to be a restriction for the indigenous ministry to be successfully fruitful. So this is a reason, you know, our vision is to set to reach out to see a healthy community of believers in all 53 First Nation communities in Vancouver Island and to establish a Christian school for the next generation of indigenous leaders. So we do not hold this vision because we are presently prepared and funded to carry out this plan. As I mentioned, you know, earlier, when I first joined this church, we started off with only one or two people. On top of this, many indigenous individuals who reside within the reserve normally have much of their needs met by the band office of their reserve, their government. From home maintenance and repairs, extended medical service and provisions. So because of uh, this unique culture, cultural character, we see members who believe that the district office should be financially providing for the individual church and the pastoral staff. So instead of providing financial offerings and serving the church through volunteering, so this is also unofficial called a band office mindset. Where many are used to be used to being in a sometimes even entitled position of receiving service instead of instead of providing it. This has been one of our major issues, even, even during pre-COVID. And we have struggling, we have been struggling to find reliable volunteer and financial supports, dedications from the indigenous communities. So it has been a constant uphill battle when I look back. And not only from the cultural differences, but, but also from where we were present. The future didn't seem like a promising. 
There were many occasions when, you know, we were just really tempted to put everything down and live it. But then one Sunday, a girl walked in the church during a normal service. She took a seat in the far corner, and as as my sermon went on, she began crying uncontrollably. I thought that it was my fault. I got very conscious, and and, and I went to her after the service was finished and asked her if everything was all all right. That's when she told me that she was planning to take her own life today. But on her way home, she overheard music coming from the church. And it just drew her in. And as she sat there listening to the sermon, God touched and lifted her heart. And she was given courage to live her life again. You know, this was an unforgettable testimony I witnessed that day. God showed me through that young girl that he sent me to this place even if just to save this one soul. And that even if only one person shows up or even if nobody comes, that his purpose for us was to up to hold the ground for this place of worship. To act as a beacon, a lighthouse for those who are still lost in the darkness of addiction and the death in this place. There was a turning point turning point for myself, and my new purpose was to patiently hold my ground as I only looked to him for all my suffering. So meanwhile, the ministry slowly grew over the course of three years to 30 to 40 people each Sunday. Wow. More than 10 times, isn't it? Sometimes no one showed up, but in three years, 30 or 30 or 40 people showed up on Sunday. And on special occasions like at Christmas, we would be blessed with more than 100 people showed up. So church was filled with people. And on our fourth year, our prayers for our next generation ministry have been met when the Lord allowed us to be joined by a new pastoral couple. This couple came from Australia to serve this tiny little like a native church. So since that point, we had more than 30, 40 kids like coming for Sunday service each Sunday. And in 2018, we had our first baptism at the church, the first in over decades. So in 2019, our district's director of indigenous and international ministry visited our church and told us that among all the POC First Nation churches within BC, this Nanaimo Native Victory Church was the most thriving and stable. But as you know, COVID-19, that happens. And for more than two years, we all go through a dark and chaotic time of pandemic. For our church, it was especially hard since most of our fundings are donations from outer source. And when the pandemic began, because all the churches were suffering, more than half of our donations were discontinued. Due to this among the three pastoral families, one family had to move on. I also had to lose my secondary job as a taxi driver due to the like a rapidly growing 
uh, racial uh, discrimination, especially uh, towards East Asian because of COVID. So this made me wonder if we had come to the end of the line. The only thing we could continue to do was pray again. So this is what I prayed for, that this was a, your church, Father. That nothing here belonged to me, as I'm simply a caretaker. And I would continue to be faithful in my responsibility as a caretaker, but even that will come, will become impossible when the church funds run dry. And when it does, there will be no other choice but for us to close down. So I live it everything all in your hands. Father, now it's all, it's up to you. But after that, God began to send us help from the most unexpected places. Like people and organizations we didn't even know about, you know, were sending us donations in support of our ministry. And for the first time in six years since moving to Nanaimo, I began receiving a full-time salary. Before pandemic, I had to work as a tax driver. But after pandemic, I started receiving salary. And that has been continuing on for the past year. I'm past a year. And I have nobody to thank and send credit other than the amazing God himself. For. He is a living God. Amen. On, top of the, on, on the top of the pandemic, in May of 2021, I think all of you guys know that, 215 remains of indigenous children were found in on all the residential schools site in Kamloops last year. This tragic news greatly upset the indigenous community, which caused a huge uproar. Leading this incident, a series of arsons and suspicious fires in June and July damaged or destroyed 68 Christian churches in Canada. At the same time, vandalism and other destructive events damaged our church, churches across Canada as well, but mainly in BC. This is no exception for churches or denominations that were not involved in residential school. For instance, the founding pastor of our church, Carl Miller, was actively involved in rescuing and returning children who were forcefully taken from their home to residential schools. But despite this history, since last year, our church has been vandalized four times. Also this March, this year, just a few months ago, we had someone barge in before Sunday service with a verbal like, abuse and bomb threat. So we had to call the RCMP who arrested the individual and escorted them out. It was very scary and disturbing, especially since we had a young children present at the church when all this happened. Although it was a frightening experience, we were also thankful that nobody hurt, nobody was hurt during that time. It also made me realize that just being allowed to carry on our ministry in peace was a privilege. And to be able to slowly move on to carrying out the vision we have for Vancouver Island was a great blessing. 
And thankfully, we have been seeing some positive development and is now at the verge of seeking out new outreach pastor probably from next year. Although things are yet to be with the Indigenous Christian School for nurturing and ed- educating the next generation's Christian leaders with the biblical values, we are still praying and preparing for the Lord to lead us each and every step at His right time. If there is just one thing I would, I would like to leave you today, live with you today, that it would be that our God is truly the living God. He's a living father who even at the present moment, looking after each of us, his children, he cares of you. As you know that 3,500 years ago in Exodus, God leads his people through the wilderness with the pillars of fire and cloud to the promised land. The same God in the Bible is with us this very moment. Amen. He's with us even this moment. And to be a servant of God and carry on the work for his kingdom is without a doubt the most valuable thing we can do with our lives. That's the great, greatest privilege, I believe. There will definitely be hardships, of course. For the path that we have chosen is a narrow one. But to the hardworking and faithful servant, our God, the living God, allows the privilege of living through his great grace. That no one has witnessed. Just in BC alone, right now, you know, there are more than 20 churches desperately seeking and waiting for a pastor. Many indigenous churches are at risk of closing down and any day. There is so much to be done with the so little workers. So I urge you to set your eyes upon our God. To have, you, to have you hope in God fully. And to only seek and follow him in your path of a ministry. And, and never let go of the privilege of a living as his faithful servants. So that when the time comes, you know, our Father God would say to us, Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, our great and awesome God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the time of unity you have allowed today with these valuable servants of the Lord that you love so much. We believe that you have a great things planned for them for your gospel. So Father, we know there will be a hardship and there will be a pain and tears in the path. But I pray that you to fill them with the strength and perseverance they need. I also pray that you to provide them with the support and courage they need in your servitude. I pray that each and every one of us here become a living witness of your love and grace and wonder. So let us set our eyes on what you see and not on what is of the flesh. So let our feet walk towards where your work is needed and not where we see fit for ourselves. 
Father, I pray that you would be blessed the people in this place. Bless them with the love and desire for your kingdom. Bless them with the great vision. You have a plan for each and every one of them. So, Father, we thank you for being our Father. And thank you for your Son, Jesus, our Savior. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, Amen. Amen. I hope you're encouraged this morning. There's a lot of need out there, a lot of need in our country, yes, in our province and city, but uh, in our world. Christine and kids, would you please come up? We would love to pray over you. Kim, come up. Come on up. We're going to pray over them. We also invited uh, Pastor June because this Friday is our Truth and Reconciliation Day across our country. And uh, with him being the pastor of the Native Church in Nanaimo, uh, leading the way of truth and reconciliation. We are people who are to be marked of truth and reconciliation. I love that those are the words chosen for this day as we are people of truth and reconciliation. So we want to pray over you guys and your family. Uh, and then once I conclude praying, what we're going to do is we're going to pray Colossians chapter three. I'm going to pray it over you as well as this is our theme verse for our pastors and residents. Uh, so would you guys actually stand with me and extend an arm out as we pray? Well, Heavenly Father, we do, we proclaim that you are present, that you're here and that you're with us. The power that rose you, Christ, from the dead resides in us in this moment. We thank you for that. I thank you for the words that June had said today, specifically where he said, I knew this was my calling. Lord, I pray this affirmation over him again. In his ministry to this, this church, this ministry to this community, uh, Lord, would you affirm in him again the calling that you have placed on his life? Thank you, Lord, for the seasons of growth. Thank you, Lord, for the season of fruit that we're able to see over these last few years and the, the testimony of him now having a full salary, the testimony of more staff coming on and potentially more staff in the future, the growth in numbers of the church, uh, both in adults and in the next generation. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have been there in this season, but Lord, we also know that you have been present in this season of struggle and of difficulty. Lord, may our eyes continually be upon you and not just on our situation. And may those situations that are difficult for both this family and for us as a school, may we understand that doesn't mean that that is not our calling, but that means that there is a need to push through for because it is our calling to serve, to be the caretakers. So Lord, I pray for these caretakers. I pray for this lighthouse, this family, which is a lighthouse in the city of Nanaimo and the indigenous community that is there. May they be your light shining in their lives. May more come to know you through your ministry of this family, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray for Christine and the kids, for Cara and Irene, and we thank you. Would you bless them too as they serve, as they lead. Bless the girls in their faith. May they come to know you full well through the example of mom and dad. May they love you their whole life. May they be strong women of faith. And the cultures, Lord, that are represented in their family and in this church, Lord, you are above all cultures. 
You are a God of all cultures. And I thank you, the Lord, that there is unity in diversity. And so I pray over them that there would be great unity in their family and in their church ministry. I'm going to pray Paul's prayer over you guys this morning. And so from this day that we heard, we will not cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Lord, we pray this in your wonderful and holy name, the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You're all officially dismissed. I believe the family's going to stick around for lunch. So if you have a chance to say hi to them or say thank you, please do.